I'm Stephanie Hammond, and this is the Fruition Podcast. On this show, I sit down with passionate people who've brought their dreams to fruition. We'll explore different versions of success and fulfillment and dig into what was on their mind along the way. With these conversations, I hope we can all expand our sense of possibility. And who knows, maybe hearing their stories will inspire you to take action on yours. Welcome back, or uh, welcome for the first time. I'm so happy that you're here. Today, we have an incredibly impressive guest, Raj Varma, who's currently co-founder of not just one, but two tech startups since selling her first business in 2019 and wrapping up her contract in 2022. I list off a few accolades at the top of our conversation, but want to just highlight that not only was she a first-generation college graduate, first-generation U.S. immigrant, she was in the first class of the first women's engineering college on the continent of Asia. And then throughout most of her career, she was one of the first women hired to most of the teams that she was on as a computer engineer. She's accomplished so much and has even bigger dreams ahead, which in typical engineer fashion, she's tackling through a very systematic process that she details for us in this conversation. She calls her dreams big, heady, audacious goals, and she quells any emotions around them with her FUD system of charting her fears, uncertainties, and doubts. It's such a strong approach, and in the spirit of our conversation, I'm going to set a big, heady, audacious goal of reaching 10,000 listeners per episode of this podcast. To be honest, I almost just said 6,000 because 10,000 feels ridiculous to me right now, but that's the whole point. I'm going to follow her process to get there, and if anyone's interested, maybe I'll share it on Instagram as I go. Also in our conversation, Raj talks about how she's managing all of the work on her plate, and taking care of her health is one of the highest items on her list. So today's obsession is the Sculpt Society. I love these workouts so much. I've been doing them for years. They're short, they're hard, they're effective, and I think they're really, really fun. It's basically mat Pilates and then dance cardio, and I look so stupid doing all of it, but it feels really good. I have secretly always wanted to be a dancer, maybe not so secretly, and it just scratches that itch for me, you know? And last thing, if you know anyone overwhelmed by a big idea or a vision or somebody that's pursuing a goal but maybe needs a push or some structure, share this episode with them. The tools that she shares here are so useful and that person in your life can start applying them today. And of course, please click follow in the upper right hand corner of this show's page on your screen. It really means the world to me. Okay, have the most fabulous day. If you're somewhere sunny, I'd really appreciate if you could just send that on over. That'd be great. Okay, bye. Hello, Raj. Welcome to the Fruition Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you so much, Stephanie, for having me here. really appreciate that. A little bit of background on Raj. She is currently co-founder of two different companies, which we'll talk about in this conversation. She's previously started, built, and sold another company, and she's won a number of awards. She received Rising Trailblazer Award from Cloud Girls. 
the star award national you were recognized as a star by the women's business enterprise national council (laughs) i was gonna say court (laughs) council you've spoken at microsoft inspire about the company that you're co-founding now affable You've received the Rising B2B Startup Award and one of tw- and you're one of 2023's top 100 founders of the year, accelerating okay. ESG and UN Sustainable Development Goals from Women in Cloud. That's insane. How does it feel to even receive one of those awards, not to mention the five that I just listed? Oh my gosh. Uh, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely see that uh, the lot of efforts have gone gone into that in order to uh, be where where I am today. Uh, but I'm I feel very blessed first of all to receive those awards, getting recognized um, in such a, in a big industry where uh, women are so less. But I feel humble because uh, when your efforts are being recognized. And when you go to this kind of different networking organization, the biggest part, Stephanie, what I have learned of what you give, you get a lot, but you have to be ready to give. And that learning is invaluable for me. And I would say that so many of these women are my like almost soulmates, actually, because we help each other to to stand up. We help each other for many different kinds of things. And I I really dedicate my award to uh, all of these organizations for the things what they do for women. Yeah. And a lot has happened to get you to where you are today, to winning all these awards, standing on stages, speaking to large audiences. So let's take it back. You Mm -hmm. told me when we first met, that you boarded a plane from India to the U.S. with $100 and your two dreams were to work at Microsoft and to start your own company. So take me back there for a second. What got you on that plane? When I, uh, so I come from a family where um, it's a a very conservative uh, kind of like a a community, Uh, but my grandmother and my dad and my uncle, they were very visionary. They said that all the girls in the uh, house should uh, go to the college. So we kind of got a little outcasted for that. But my elder sister became, yeah, but my elder sister became the doctor. And after that, she was like, they say that once a woman is a, um, uh, get educated in a family, the whole house become educated. And that is so true. And we are the living example of that. So she was my biggest um, inspiration to go and do the uh, computer engineering, by the way. So when I started into the computer engineering and I saw this name on the book, Microsoft 3.0, and I said, this is Microsoft, one Redmond way. And I said, well, the things what we are doing on the computer, this is the company which is making it. I want to work for this company. Everybody started laughing at me because guess what? Google was not there. I did not have any clue where this company exists on the earth, where Microsoft is, where the Redmond is, where the Washington is. No clue, Stephanie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then fast forward after the engineering and all that, um, even like uh, when I started my first job and second job back home there, um, I, I was having those dreams constantly that I want to go to US, I want to do this. And uh, finally, I got an offer to uh, through a consulting company who kind of that time they used to do the uh, placements, right? So I came to California through this company and they um, 
in that first week they said that uh, okay uh, these are the different interviews and i said oh this is in boston this is in new york um, this is not in alignment i want to go and interview at microsoft stop really yes yes <laughs> and they were like are you nuts we don't even have that as our customer i said well before coming here i had mentioned my my um, dream and i mentioned that this is where i want to work they said oh my gosh what is going on and i i gave the interviews for sake of it for the east okay okay to get practice no right. no no about that i mean my english was not as good as what i speak because um, even though of course my whole education was done into english but the the speaking was happening in my mother tongue most of the time i come from pune which is near bombay and we speak a different language like marathi or hindi right so it it was it was very interesting and then i said okay let me do the practice of interviews and uh, after that i said well you you promise that you will at least give me the opportunity to do the interview and uh, when when i came with that like a 100 dollar in the pocket with the two dreams that working for microsoft and then having my own business guess what uh, in 1999 um after the interview at microsoft i was there second person actually i could have been the first but uh, it it just happened that my days of interviews wasn't happening before the other person i was overwhelmed with the happiness being into such a giant company and working on some cool stuff um, i felt that uh, this this is called dream come true mm-hmm. that we had i had no clue where the microsoft was few years back and now i'm sitting in the microsoft office uh to really do what i wanted to do of course that wow. was there was a great learning and all that but i will never forget that day in my whole life wow that is so incredible did you <laughs> were there other classmates of yours that you know saw you doing this or saw you heard you talking about microsoft before you came to the us and wanted to do the same thing or was it really just you who was willing to leave your country leave your family leave your home go to a random location were other people thinking that they might try the same thing or was it really just you uh actually other other classmates we we by the way when uh, the college where i studied my engineering that was the first women engineering college in india stephanie you're kidding wow yes cummins college of engineering for women uh that was the first college in asia continent as a wow. uh engineering college for women so very proud our batch was the first batch so of course oh we had to go through a lot so many of the girls from the class have gone to different places but in my batch i was the only one who got into microsoft that is so amazing and how did you stay so determined and focused on microsoft as you were interviewing with these other companies it was just for practice but you really had a one track mind that you wanted to work for microsoft and that was going to be it and you weren't going to be swayed how where did that determination come from were you always that way cuz you could have explored other options or yeah. like maybe a less confident person would say i need backup plans in case i don't get the job at microsoft what are my other pathways that i could take so yeah. what was your mindset like yeah no that's a great question now you are you are tapping into my that young raj brain yeah, <laughs> i mean right. i consider myself permanent young person because <laughs> age is just the number um my my heart and my brain is super super young so when i tap into that brain stephanie 
I see myself even starting from the kindergarten and all that. I was a determined person from the get-go. When the something comes to my mind that I want to do this, <laughs> no matter what, I'm going to do that. <laughs> that is the kind of attitude what I grew up. And I'm very thankful that my family always supported me to do that and created those resources for me. Uh, I come from a well-to-do family, but the mentality, right? My my parents did not go to college, but they mm. were like very supportive that, oh my gosh, our girls are smart. They have to go to the school. They have to go to the college. And that support kept us going. And my dad used to say that when I was little, like to all the girls that don't be afraid with anything, just stand up for yourself. So no matter like what happens, I'm there for you. I'll come and help you to solve anything. For my little mind, I think that played a placebo effect for me to just say that, oh, no, I want to go. I mean, I had those jobs in Boston and in New York. And I was like, okay, good to have that practice. But my goal is this and uh, I'll wait, but I'll go to Microsoft. So I think it was a progression from the childhood to that level. Yeah. And when I achieved that, I thought, oh my gosh, if I can do this, I can do anything, Mm. you know? It just plays, uh, it just feeds basically uh, right. to the to the next level and to, to the next level and so on. So yeah, you had, it sounds like you had a lot of firsts, like you and your siblings were the first to go to college in your family. You were the first class of women in this engineering program. So it, it sounds like those steps kind of fueled that determin- determination that you already had in your mind, but kind of reinforced it for you. Yeah. But yeah. what your dad was saying, was it pretty radical at the time to be oh, saying yes. those things to his daughters? And was there a pushback from the people in your community at all as you went to this engineering school yeah. for women yeah. and your sister yeah. became a doctor? Like, did that ever plant any seeds of doubt in your mind or was it was it funny to you? Like, I don't care. I'm going to go be the best I can be anyways. Right. It was like the uh, the later part. Okay. My, okay. My grandma used to say that, well, you guys are going to um, go to the college and school and college and all that. I think she was a visionary. Mm. She was the only woman when she got married. She was uh, only eight year old when she got married. Eight? So, yeah, so she wants she was sent back home and she came back when she was 12. So her husband, who was like almost 10 years older than her, wow. my grandma, grandfather, which I didn't see, of course, um, he said that, oh, she's still young. Uh, she should go to the kindergarten. And she went to kindergarten to learn reading and writing. Wow. So in her group of women, she was the only one who was not using her thumb for signing, but she was using the signature. And then, yes, and she was reading some of the, uh, some of the, uh, like a cultural books and things like that, religious, religious books and cultural books. And other women used to feel that, oh my gosh, she's so smart. She reads the book because reading was not the regular uh, concept into that time frame, right? I'm talking like a, 100 years back right now yeah yeah more than 100 years back so she getting all of that uh like a fame in that such a small circle she thought that I didn't do much and I still get so much how about my girls go to the school and college so in that community you send the girls after 10th grade to the school or college Um, we were pretty much outcasted basically 
Yes. <laughs> but you had also witnessed your grandmother being able to read and write. It, it really sounds like you come from this lineage of fearless, fearless yes. women and men too, who yeah. went against the norm. So yeah. screw the rest of them. <laughs> right. So that's amazing. Like, okay. If they don't want to invite us for any of these functions and this and that do not want to include us. My, my grandma used to say that if my kids are happy, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. It, is, it is it feels such a simple line but it is very profound in in many ways because she was looking after us so all the success what what say for example I have or my daughter is going to have we always build on the steps it is never just my success it is my mother who helped. It is my father who helped. My my grandma set that path. My sister who became the doctor and then she guided me to go to the computer. So it, it's, a, it's a step-by-step things which happens in our lives. So I feel very lucky that I got so many strong shoulders to stand on yeah. to be here where I am. Wow. I mean, I'm so very proud of <laughs> that is amazing. I love that it's multi-generational. That's really, really incredible. And it accelerates through each of those generations. I mean, with technology yes. and just the way the world works now, but I- I'm excited to see what your daughter does. <laughs> Did you have any expectations of what you wanted your career to look like at Microsoft or was it just get in the door and see what's available and learn as much as you can? Yeah. Later part, just get into the door and I'll yeah. learn. It's a journey. For seven years, I worked in the different product teams as an engineer, as a, a dev lead and all that. And later, I started thinking that, well, this is great, but I don't see how the impact is happening on the customer, this being such a big company. Mm-hmm. And there is where I went into the partner ecosystem, which is a sales side of Microsoft. Mm-hmm. In the interview, they were asking me to write the code. And I said, well, this job doesn't need code. This job needs how to talk to the customer, mm-hmm. how to do the architectural reviews and things like that. The interviewer said that, well, but I'm asking you the question. This is the interview. I said, but the job description doesn't say that. I'm more than happy to write the architecture for you. If you want to know my coding skill, call my that manager because I was still at Microsoft. He said, this is, this is funny. I'm asking you the question and you're not answering. I said, I am saying that this job doesn't need that. Why do you have that question? Maybe you're wasting your time. I'm wasting my time. He said, oh my gosh. And he was like frustrated into the interview. Yeah. And the manager who, who had submitted me for this, uh, he went and he said that, hey, look, the candidate who you sent, she doesn't want to write the code. He said, what do you mean? She said, no, she's not going to write the code because it is not written into the job description. He said, hire her. <laughs> he came inside and he said, well, manager thinks that you should be hired, but I'm confused. I said, okay, thank you so much. So that <laughs> job is mine. <laughs> he said, yeah. And then we decided the starting date. And then later I asked the manager and I give him so much credit for my so much learning um, in the in the world of men where it is so dominated. This field is so dominated. By Especially men. at that time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 2000, 2006, 7, uh, 8. Mm-hmm. those were the three years I spent into the partner ecosystem and uh, he was like you know so that's when I like not that I understood it fully but this is what he said he said women have hard time saying no 
you have the courage to be in the interview not be afraid not getting the job but you stood for something by saying no into the interview that is what we need for this role technology part you being here for this long you will do it we need somebody who can have this kind of conversation with our partners with our customers then only sometimes they they push you but you have to have that kind of courage to answer back mm-hmm. or say no you're hired that's why you were hired i still send him my thank you note here and there because um i think if you wouldn't have given me that chance uh it would have been really really hard to uh, just stay into the engineering and not learn how to talk to the customer and partners and all that and that three years of my efforts gave me so much confidence to embark on my second dream to start my business yeah that courage that you had was necessary because so many people are afraid to not tell an interviewer what they want to hear yes. and you did exactly that and you were willing to let go of the job if you know he wasn't okay with yes. that kind of response but that's so validating to hear that eventually he found his way to understanding and recognizing the power of the courage that you had because yeah. really that's what every good manager should be looking for in any sort of candidate that they're hiring is someone willing to share their genuine opinion and not just tell them what they want to hear and do what they're told. Right. Right. And that's why I feel so thankful for that change which was the important change and that is what kind of differentiate me uh like on the on the, the panel discussions and things like that everybody asked me what is that one thing that you define yourself with just one word one word and it's a courage mm-hmm. i'm 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 an action oriented person i like to take actions yeah yeah <laughs> so, i can tell i can yeah. tell yeah. what i like about your story is you also showed initiative first you said i'm going to practice this I'm going to face this uncomfortable situation and I'm going to do my best to show you through the numbers that I'm trying. And then your manager recognized that and showed up alongside you and said, "Okay, I see that you care, that you're really putting forth an effort. I'm going to come in and support you too." Yeah. Which and might I, not have happened if you hadn't shown that initial right. initiative. And asking the question. I I have the habit of asking the questions mm. um, since my childhood being the fifth child in the big family of six children. I have a habit of asking way too many questions I used to make my mom mad at me actually as you Been know there every teacher <laughs> <laughs> but why but why but why <laughs> yeah so i think i was able to articulate my questions better and better as i and being an engineer itself you have the you have those skills that you go through after like a certain number of years of experience and all that so doing the reverse engineering asking the question going to the next step and those things i started applying uh, on this thing and my manager always used to like my question and he never thought any question is a stupid question so knowingly or unknowingly he became my mentor he became my advisor even after being he being my manager you know mm-hmm. because i think he was genuinely seeing that or oh, she wants to take the effort she is genuine to really want to learn what she said that she would want to do you know so mm-hmm. i i i strongly believe stephanie that when people see that you are ready to take efforts everybody come around to help you i totally agree you just have to start taking initiative and start yeah. showing up for yourself and then other people show up for you 
Yeah. Once they see that you care enough about you, then they'll come in and help you out. You probably started thinking like, huh, I wanted, I came here wanting to start a business and work at Microsoft. I've checked one of those off the list. Now you were probably, the wheels were turning. Like, how can I do this for myself? How can I become an entrepreneur myself? A, why did you want to do that? And B, what, what were you thinking then in that role? Many of those partners wanted to hire me. Oh, okay. Right? Okay, come and help us from this and this and this angle. And I would be, uh, well, being at Microsoft, that was a great role. But if I go and work with them, then I'm limiting myself. So I said, okay, I'm going to going to get out. And then if you want to use my fraction of my time, sure, let me think about that as my consulting. Interesting. Many okay. of them became my customers also, basically. And there was, um, because uh, I was a Microsoft partner when I came out and all that. So there was no conflict of interest since I'm helping them to actually do the development. And then I started building the team and this and that, right? But I was helping to even adopt these technologies faster, get some of the development done faster. By stepping out of that role, I started kind of into the role of executing stuff for them. Okay. So yeah. just tapping back into your mindset again, you were starting to feel like you were ready to grow into something new. Again, you had that second goal in mind, but you almost received kind of an invitation to take that yes. step. Yes. You we're kind of shown this is another option. Had you been thinking of consulting before, or were you thinking when I start my own business, I will build something? Okay. No, no, I didn't have any idea what my business is going to look like. What was your new definition of success? Uh, so initially it was more of like, a, let, let's get in and learn. And then um, it started solidifying that, oh, there is a consulting, which is definitely making the money. How do I, how do I grow after a couple of years? I, I started asking questions because I didn't want people to give the work because it is Raj. I wanted people to give the work because this company, um, Earth System was the name of my company, ARTH, Earth System, uh, that, oh, they have good people who are delivering, right? So the customer yeah. success speaks for the, speaks to itself and then the more references. Referenceable business is the best business in, in my whole career that would have seen. Through that learning, I started expanding. I started hiring more people. And uh, and then my first goal was uh, because I had taken a, some break in between when my daughter was born. Uh, and it was hard to, to get back and, uh, again to meet and go up and up. It was hard, actually. Uh, so I was like, well, my first 10 employees are going to be women, especially oh. the ones who uh, have gone through either having baby or having a hard time to get into the software industry, I'm going to hire those women. And um, again, uh, very lucky to say that my first 10 employees were women. So, so was that a piece that was driving you, was was to now build an organization that obviously delivered great results for your client, yeah. but also now you're supporting the people in your community, the people who've been in your position. How How much did that fuel your drive to build and continue to grow this business? A lot, a lot. Because I am responsible for people. Yes. <laughs> like that, that's, that's stressful. Right. Yeah, it is stressful. But at the same time, once, uh, because I had gone through those problems for 10 plus years. So I knew this could be 
soared in this way. I wish I have had myself to guide me when I was at that stage. And when I ask this question, I feel that, okay, I wasn't there for myself. Some other people were there who were helping me in some or other fashion. How would I do that now? And definitely that was one of the big driving factor. And then um, uh, while I was doing the my consulting, I ended up uh, like working with these software companies, right? Uh, for whom I built the products from the scratch because my background is product building. My DNA is about product building. So I helped multiple companies to build the products also from the scratch. And I became a part of those companies and whatnot. So some, some worked well, some did not. But that also taught me a lot of things that what I should be looking for in the partners. Mm. So, you know, uh, once you are in the journey, and I always consider this as a journey, Stephanie, I didn't have like a doubts or questions, but I, I was always taking anything, everything, whichever it's coming as a learning. Mm-hmm. So that was like a 10 years before I like, uh, after seven years, uh, the things like uh, gone up and down in, I was like very focused as the Microsoft services company, uh, but then it started like having little of the shake. So I was like, oh my gosh, I have to raise the funds so that I can expand in this way, right? And for that, I did the executive MBA from Yuda Foster, which even though I was out of Microsoft, but being a part of Women uh, Business Enterprise National Council, they sponsored my uh, fees actually to go oh. to the school in Yuda Foster. And I did that program and that was like a a total uh, the structure that was like looking for. And then I said, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to either raise the funds or I'm going to figure out how to merge with somebody so that I can go from 36 people to 3000 people. Mm -hmm. It's, it's difficult, right? Growing the services company is a one dynamic where the growing the product company is a totally different dynamic. Very different from an investment perspective. Yeah, yeah. So that's when uh, in 2018, I started looking for funds. Women founders were not getting funds, Stephanie. It wasn't that easy at all. Um, Then uh, or now. (laughs) Yeah, even today. Today is much better. So much Um, better. Yeah, so much better. And maybe because I carry the success of acquisition. So um, thank goodness it is easier um, than uh, that time. But then when I was talking about the funds as well as uh, like a partnerships and all that, I came across multiple companies. I, I had like a 10 offers, but then I shortlisted to three uh, because I had a very strong foothold with Microsoft, right? And other companies wanted to have that piece, basically, because it's hard to build the Microsoft practice, by the way. Okay, it is not simple. So the company called, uh, there was a company in California, uh, Sunnywell, called Zoriant. It's the same company through which I came to United States in 1999. And then we went through all the due diligence for almost the nine months. And that that same company acquired my company in 2019, exactly after 20 years, my Microsoft practice, and asked me to join them for three years to grow the Microsoft business because they didn't know how to do the business with Microsoft. I am a living living example of calling this as a full circle of life. I am super, super blessed with that. Just reiterating for the audience, 
Your first job in the U.S. that placed you with Microsoft is now the company who's coming in to acquire the consulting business built off of Microsoft that you built over these two decades, first decade working at Microsoft, now second decade building your consulting service. Your very first company that you worked for came back to acquire this company that you now built. That's insane. I took it. It worked out. I went there to work for three years as a VP of alliances. I was the only woman again, again. <laughs> and then they had zero Microsoft footprint. Uh, Microsoft became the number one account. Uh, they, they are excelling. Would you have negotiated any differently knowing that you had all of this potential that you realized the three years after you sold? Yes, uh, absolutely. 100%. And that's what I'm going to not only use for, my, for myself, but I'm going to also share that anybody who wants to uh, do that position. Absolutely. There is always learning, Stephanie, always. Um, but uh, do I look at that as, oh my gosh, I missed it? Or do I look at that as I learned something, such a big step that I'm going to implement into my next gig? Yeah. Is there is there a negotiation tip that you have just now having been through multiple negotiations? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I would say that surround yourself with uh, really, really uh, smart people um, who have done that kind of thing. And I have done that um, when even when I was getting acquired, I have surrounded myself with the really strong uh, a few people. But what happens uh, still being in that situation, being that size of the company, Everybody sees things in a different way, right? That helps you for that particular situation, wherein the from the negotiation perspective, I would say that certain things are very important. Like um, if your sale goes more than the projection, then you don't want to have cap, for example, right? Cap meaning um, if your projection reach here, you are going to get this. But if your projection goes above this number, then you are still capped at this, right? So those are the very, very uh, critical and crucial things. Some parts I could negotiate because I had like a right people uh, who were supporting me, but some parts, they were also negotiating, right? They were yeah. also negotiating. So, so when you have two negotiations and there was a very important thing, what I have learned in the Yuda Foster uh, uh, class uh, that Negotiation doesn't mean it has to be good for me all the time. Negotiation means that how both the parties are successful. And then only that is the right negotiation. And I personally believe that you only learn that lesson because you're going to have the opportunity to apply it on a bigger scale in your future. Yes. So you could look back and say, oh, I missed that opportunity in this negotiation. But you only have a bigger negotiation coming your way down yeah. the line. And that's why you had to deal with that and learn that lesson so that yeah. you have the tools and you're armed with that for what's coming ahead for you, which we'll yeah. get to that. And that's why you have a unicorn picture behind you Thank on your you. wall. <laughs> so yes, yes, we'll get to yes. that. And I want to talk about big, heady, audacious goals, because that's something that you talk about a lot. It's a way of life for you, I think, it seems. Naval Ravikant, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he said at one point, you might as well think big, especially when you're building a business, because, you know, it's just as hard to run an Italian restaurant and then expand to three different locations. You might as well 
go as big as you can because no matter what, any type of business you're building, it's challenging. I just want to hear from you. What was your introduction to Big Heady Audacious Goals and how are you keeping that in mind and applying it in your work? Yeah, yeah. That that is my very um became my very favorite phrase actually. And I started mapping myself with that. Oh, when I was in engineering, I used to say that something impossible, right? Want to work for Microsoft. That was big hairy audacious goal. I had no clue of anything, but I wanted to do it. Okay. But after that, they also taught how you do the smart goals. So from BHAG to smart goals, there is a path, right? Mm -hmm. People who start with the smart, they generally achieve um, below what their goal is. But people who first do the BHAG, they do like a totally like, what is this? <laughs> what is this like a fearful thing, right? Their path is between BHAG and smart. But if you start at smart by doing way too much of the calculations and way too much of the analysis and way too much of the thing, your achievements are below that, basically. And that was like a mapping to me. So I would never, ever forget that. I still have those books. And then I sometimes like a, a refresh myself with that because it's very empowering. I know now one exit definitely taught me a lot. So this is the exit what I want and crazy number. Okay, this is the exit what I want. What do I need to do in order to get that exit? Even though I'm doing the smart type of goals, but my, my vision is BHAG again, because I want to help more and more and more healthcare and education back offices to save the, that paper, save the resources, save the storage, uh, uh, storage cost and save them from fines. And that is what our solution do. So why not expand it to that level where they see the big benefits and we as a owner, we as a company creator and our shareholders and our investor, they see their benefits. So that's really the goal right now for Affable BPM. Uh, and I'm a big believer of uh, this vision boards. So I have that vision board in my office here that this is the, this is the exit what I want. Um, and, and where do you get that? Do you just pick a number? Do you, is part of you thinking, okay, what's a semi-realistic number? Are you thinking, what's a realistic number? Now double it. <laughs> like, like, how do no, you get to that big, heady, audacious goal? It, it is that um, you have to feel uncomfortable. It, it is just like, like, I didn't know Microsoft and I was still saying I want to go to Microsoft. It has to be something like that um, where you feel uncomfortable. And then you know, okay, how you're going to work towards that, basically. It does sound like a dreamy, right? And that's the whole point, basically. It does sound like, why Raj is not making sense? <laughs> but that is exactly the point of big, hairy, audacious goal that you should have the goosebumps on your uh, things or you should have like a butterflies in your tummy when you are setting up these goals. And I do, um, but I want to work towards that because I know that um, I have done this before and I can I can walk on that path again. Mm -hmm. And then meanwhile, last year, when I was like a, you know, wrapping up my Zorian role, my classmate from engineering, she was uh, building this um, Miro.ai, which uh, recognizes the tone of voice and tells you what kind of emotions are there. And then depending on those emotions, the coaching is done. 
in this AI solution, which is the emotionally intelligence uh, AI platform. And all these uh, coaching tips are given by uh, the uh, like a uh, emotional intelligence pioneer like Daniel Goldman. So I was super attracted. I mean, I was also advising her on some parts of the uh, business uh, uh, side of the thing. So she was like, oh, Raj, uh, you, you are finishing Zorin. You have to come and help on to the monetization, commercialization of this. I, I was like, no, I have my my this other baby. I'm going to kind of like a look after my affable BPM thing. And then we went through like a six months of conversations. And then we did some due diligence. And I saw the big legs to that her idea. And I saw that um, she is like a super geeky, uh, total innovative person. And um, on the other hand, I am like a, so like knowing the commercialization side of the product as well as the market, the sales, the industry and all that. I was like, oh, this is like a great complementary skills again. And uh, that that being into the AI and that being into the machine learning type of like things, definitely it has even bigger legs. So we were like, again, another big, hairy, audacious goals that, okay, we want to exit this for multi-billion dollars. <laughs> and then how, how do you do that, right? Uh, but when you backtrack, you start doing the smart goals, basically. But you have to set something which is kind of, today, you should feel it is unachievable. You should feel that fear. You should feel that, okay, how can I do that? Because that is what takes you to learn the things in that uncharted journey which I have I have um, experienced before. And I'm very thankful for my family, my husband, uh, who on the other side is completely uh, like a shy, extremely geeky. He was also at Microsoft um, for almost 12 years, but uh, he, he's, he's always in support of whatever I do. Uh, he was not in my businesses, but he was always that, okay, you like to do that, go do it. And of course, that was a great, you asked me that, how, how did you feel when you don't have a paycheck, for example, when you don't have something? Uh, and I would say that um, I was lucky that uh, he was bringing the great salary at home that gave me even higher boost to do whatever I want to do. And now uh, things are in much better shape. So uh, I I don't afraid to take the risk to the next mm. And. I love what you say about the when you're setting a big, heady, audacious goal, you should feel the goosebumps. You should feel the fear. You should feel uncomfortable. There should be, you know, a craziness to it, that level of uncertainty. And I want to just acknowledge that you are feeling those feelings. Yes. You just choose to continue to act anyways and yes. <laughs> move through the fear. Like there is fear in your body. You do feel the emotion fear. And yet that courage piece comes in by taking a step forward anyways. And it sounds too like you actually do it in a semi-structured way in setting those SMART goals. But first, like asking yourself the question of what do I want to achieve and probably pushing yourself, you know, your first response probably isn't going to give you goosebumps. It's probably your fourth or your fifth response to, okay, I can do better. What do I want to achieve? That starts, you know... Maybe like even giggle a little bit when you think about it, because it sounds so crazy. And yeah. then you start working backwards. What's a smart goal that would get me there? What's a smart goal that's going to get me to that smart goal? And then working your way backwards, like you said. But I just want to call out the fact that you do feel fear. You do feel uncomfortable. And yet you choose to just act anyways, because what else is there? Right. Yeah. Right. Nothing to lose. Um, right. 
whatever is going to come out of this, it is going to be better than what it was. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's that's given, uh, which was there for all my different kinds of ventures. Um, the the one which got successful, but there were some which were not successful. But the amount of things what you learn out of that, those you can't you can't buy and you can't learn in the book. Life is journey. I want to always feel that what I wanted to do, I was never afraid to try it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is mm-hmm. doubt one of those emotions that you feel as well that you choose to? continue to move forward beyond anyways does doubt pop into your mind uh doubt doesn't come to mm-hmm. the mind because um when when i start doubting then um if at all right uh that becomes a trust factor and then it will become like a am i not trusting myself kind of a question right so the doubt doesn't come to my mind and if it does say for example then um I have also learned a lot about uh, the FUD, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. And I have learned how to regulate your emotions as well as analytical skills to be developed. But once I start categorizing my uh, any of those feelings or any of those happenings around me uh, under these three categories, because if it is like a fear, then sometimes I'm just having that fear because I don't know something uncertainty is because uh, then then my answer would be what do i need to do to learn this mm-hmm. if there is the uncertainty then i think that oh okay the i don't know how I, my revenue is going to come to this level for example right so there is uncertainty because okay then i need to have a bigger pipeline so uh, instead of 10% of the conversion i can have even 8% of the conversion but i can meet my number because that's uncertain and then doubts are like Sometimes the doubts I feel is more of when you don't know, basically, right? Doubts are generally, um, the, the because I do this exercise uh, like many times, doubts are generally when you don't know. So uh, that gets clarified because I go and ask the questions. And now being in this stage, Stephanie, uh, I have so many amazing people around me uh, and I can go and ask uh, to, to my luck and to my blessings, uh, I always find the answers. And there are still answers which I'm in the hunt of uh, because that's what the big hairy, hairy audacious goal does to you. Uh, but uh, it doesn't feel that I won't be able to do it. It just feels that uh, the, the time, right? Mm. The, whatever time it is going to take, uh, how much time I want to sign up for this because I may want to do something else. And this is also very interesting that my current things always feed into my next role, whatever I may want to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that logical approach. I don't think that I've ever had it lined up in that way, the F-U-D. And I think that, and you explained it so well, you gave really good examples for each of those. I think too, for doubt, what's helpful for me, because I experienced doubt for sure. And I look for people who've done something similar, whether it's in the same field or a totally different field. And I use that as some sort of expansion for myself to show if it was possible in that way for them, why wouldn't it be for me? And if I come up with some reason why I find someone else who's a good example for me so that I can visually see, because sometimes you need, you need that actual live case. And actually I would say my, some of my personal situations also kind of helped me a lot. Because um, 
we have a biological daughter uh, and uh, she's in Syracuse, as I mentioned. But then when my husband and um, I were discussing, he was like, let's have a second child. I said, oh, wait a minute, uh, because I'm being so ambitious. I'm like, well, it takes a lot of efforts uh, to that first three years are very, very uh, like a daunting. Uh, and we being here, um, the health wise, like growing the child in India and growing the child over here is a big difference, right? So I said, why do we have to make our child? How about there are so many children in the world who needs home and parents need child? How about we get the ready-made child from three to six-year-old? And he said, are you nuts? How can you talk that? Is it, it's, not, it's not like a something that you just go into the market. Such an it. engineering idea. <laughs> I love that. I'm like, nope. We, we have to do something like that. I love that though. When we ended up getting into uh, registering as a uh, adoption par par uh, parents and all that, uh, she's uh, now 16 and a half. She was six year old when she came home. She's locally from here. She comes from the foster system where she was in foster for three and a half years. So there is definitely the baggage. So we started the therapy for last 11 years to learn how to be a mom. Mm. Because being a mom, you don't go to school to, to learn how to be a mom, right? But because of Rena, me and my husband and she and my daughter, we all went through this therapy to learn that how to understand some of the feelings that she has that I can help. My heart just feels with that. The best thing happened in our life that I would say. Yeah. Um, and it's such an interesting story because really... I Thank you for being so honest and transparent with your thought process going into it, because that might be, again, to use this word, kind of a radical way to approach having children, because you are ambitious and you wanted to continue working and you didn't want to have an infant while you're also building businesses and furthering your career. That's pretty radical. A lot of people would have something to say about that. And it's been such, it sounds like a really beautiful journey that's been not only great for you and your husband and your first daughter, your eldest daughter's expansion and growth as people, but yes. also your adopted child's expansion and betterment as, as a woman as well. And so it really, what might, I mean, I, I hate to use this word because it's not how I'm feeling about it, but I, I think the label, you know, like too ambitious might be used for, for an action like that, but it really was for everybody's good. I think it's a really beautiful example of trusting your gut and yeah. being honest with yourself about what yeah. you do and you don't want to do and what kind of sacrifices you do and don't want to make. Things were very hard. There are 4.6 million kids in the US who needs to be adopted in the foster system. Only 2% get adopted. Out of that 2%, only 1% get the help what Rena gets for her uh, special needs, for her all the different kinds of stuff, which comes to 869 something odd small number. Mm -hmm. Can you believe that? Mm -hmm. it, is, it is like that, Stephanie. And that's what, like somebody asked me, Raj, now you guys know, you and Vivek knows that how to raise a child from the foster care. How about you bring more and do? I said, huh. That's great. That's going to be my philanthropic efforts. Mm. Today, there are hardly 900 kids who are getting that help because the, the system is doing their job, but there are not people like us who want to solve that problem. Tax money is going. Uh, there is a lot of help going. 
but they are not solving the problem due to different kinds of reason. I don't need to point that in this particular conversation, but there are problems. And I have seen that. I have gone through that. I have lived through that. Rena has lived through that. Understanding those problems make me really empowered that instead of 900 kids, how can I help 4,000 kids? That is going to be instead of like just getting four kids in my home, can I just scale it to 4,000 kids? Because my brain works with the scaling being into the technology field. Let me help for that issue as well. And that's what keeps me like going. Uh, mm. that, that's going to be my next efforts. So I will be always busy in my life. That's <laughs> it, it makes me happy. It makes me that I'm contributing something. It makes me um, feel myself good about myself so that is going to be what I will be doing uh, helping into that foster system to solve certain very very uh, uh, chronical critical uh, problems which have not been addressed right now wow that's really 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 beautiful thank you for sharing all of that and thank you for doing that you're gonna obviously build something incredible and it's so needed obviously nurturing your family that's your number one priority and you care so deeply for them. How the heck are you building two businesses on the side? And then you have your philanthropic efforts. How do you, you're clearly a very action oriented person, but are you not tired? Like, how do you do this? <laughs> that's, that's a great question. You take vacations? <laughs> like, I do. Okay, I take vacations. <laughs> Um, well, um, so at, at home, uh, family is my number one priority. Uh, relationships with uh, family and friends is my number one priority. So definitely I find time. Uh, I think over the years for the work, I have just become more efficient. Uh, and for both the businesses right now, uh, Maithil is like building the product for Miro. So I don't need to look under that. But then I, I, I can focus on the commercialization part, which is I'm, I'm good at. For Apple BPM, our product is ready, which I had put my efforts before. Now I'm just kind of modernizing, adding more AI. And I have excellent team I depend on. Uh, Linda is amazing. So I can focus on the sales growth again with the Microsoft Cosell efforts. Mm. I know, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of like a using a lot of those things over the last year, 20 years. That's what I have learned right now. And that's why I feel that optimized uh, like uh, efforts going on. And my actions are the things what I would take six months to finish I'm finishing them in one month now wow yeah so that's big that's why taking two companies was kind of like a I I believe me I evaluated that for a long time to really see that can I do that and do I want to do that there is a difference can I do that and do I want to do that I knew I can do that but do I want to do that? If I wouldn't have been like so uh, having such a high conviction about Miro, I wouldn't have taken it, right? Because honestly speaking, I'm very happy with Affable uh, VPM and I'm doing great things for my customers. So there was no reason for me to kind of like, but I see her, her, her goal to help people how to speak emotionally intelligent, which maps to so many of my core values. Yeah, And that's why I said yes to her, that I will come as a co-founder and I'll, I'll help with these things. Um, do I get tired? Uh, yes. Uh, how do I, how do I uh, like manage my time? I don't watch too much TV, only on the weekend. Um, not that I work all the time, but I spend time for myself by doing yoga, by going for walks. Uh, 
breathing helps so much to heal no matter in what situation you are i need to be self sufficient to heal myself so that i can be always uh, available and always be having that energy to do whatever i want if we don't keep up with our health um what's the use of the wealth i sleep for 6 hours but um at the same time uh, i'm very mindful about what i eat what i do and what i say because these are the three things which are very important for me to make feel who i am uh, so there you go <laughs> you have such a high level of personal responsibility it, you just don't see that often it's really really refreshing to have that conversation to hear that from you if you were you know talking to somebody who was a few years or any, anywhere in their career but they set a big heady audacious goal that can be fun to do scary uncomfortable but fun you have this vision for yourself now that you want to achieve how how do you manage the patience to get there you obviously break it down and you're taking action along the way but i'm sure you must get eager at some points like when is this going to happen you know like i'm i'm ready to get there to that big heady audacious goal i'm excited for it how do you keep yourself patient um that's, that's a great question uh, it is um one one thing we all know that uh, but it is hard to implement right that <clears throat> nothing happens overnight it takes 9 months to make the baby it takes 18 years to have that baby to really be on their feet before they can do anything so i think um the the patience is more of uh the practice Mm. Uh, and that practice is uh, i do lot of self talks basically that okay this is going to take its own uh, course of action uh, knowing that for the healthcare field healthcare industry it takes um, 9 to 12 months of the sales cycle so okay if i know that certain things are going to take long because of my learnings i'm not going to give in my peace for that and once i talk to myself like that stephanie then it becomes one of the atom on my chart because then i'm not fretting about that i'm not kind of fighting with it i'm just saying that it's going to happen i continue to do my activity to make it happen it will happen either tomorrow or after 5 days but this is going to happen and if it doesn't happen for example which is also my kind of like a style to look at this kind of big problem if it doesn't happen how do i pivot so that i can reach to that goal maybe this way or this way or there could be the shorter way they always say in the aeroplane that the exit might be just behind you mm. right yeah. which we forget in the panic we tend to do uh, lose the patience okay last question <laughs> what is um a resource that has helped you along the way um <clears throat> i would say there are a lot of things which has uh, helped uh, it is more of the attitude of learning right i my my like a book uh, which is uh, good to great that's my very favorite book nah, because that really showed me uh, when these companies what he takes the example and how they became the successful it it was like a eye opening that how they stayed true to that concept and they did that hedgehog concept of not giving up so that book is my all time favorite 
then learnings from others is always the key i'm a i'm a great observant uh, i like to connect the dots uh, now that we have ted talks that is my very favorite thing to learn because it gives me 15 to 20 minutes of learning something when i'm on the uh, cross trainer or on the walk mm. and then i'm like ha huh, this subject i like it a lot so then i find something around that and then i i listen or i watch something on that then going to the events and listening to the people's experiences and their journey that has also helped me a lot because those are inspirational those are motivational and those make you see that you are not alone in this world there are so many people who are doing amazing things what part i want to do for myself that's a question when i ask i feel this is such a great life <laughs> so uh, learning uh, like learn from anywhere everywhere and then be able to connect the dots that's mm. really my mantra actually uh, and there are times when if i cannot then i go and i ask i just learned a lot from you thank you so 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 much for everything that you shared i'm really really grateful and it was so fun to chat with you Hi, me again. If you made it all the way through, I bet you're pretty serious about moving the needle to align with your dreams and feel good in your own life. Good for you. Before you leave, I would love to hear a takeaway that you got from this episode in the reviews. That'll help me tailor conversations to be more useful to you in the future. Okay, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you.